0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 831, with Megan Flatt. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 831. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. Megan Flatt is a business growth strategist on a mission to make entrepreneurship easier. She believes you can have a thriving business, a community, and a life, and you don't need more time. You need more focus. We're going to be talking about focus a lot today, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. This is a big conversation that's going to support all different kinds of focus in all areas of your life. So Megan is the founder of Focus Sessions and the author of Focused, Reclaim Your Time, Ditch Overwhelm, and Do Less Better. Megan started Focus Sessions, a science-backed system to provide dedicated, distraction-free virtual co-working sessions to help people get their most important work done. The monthly membership helps you find your focus, create a solid plan, and stay out of overwhelm. Megan's favorite affirmation is, you have the time you need. In her book, Focused, she shows you how to find your focus, what to focus on, and how to make time for focus. Besides helping folks with their focus, Megan is obsessed with lattes, post-it notes, and romance novels. Outside of her work, you can find her focus turned to her husband and two kids, probably near the water in the San Francisco Bay Area. So Megan and I know each other. It feels like 1 million years ago now, but from pre-pandemic, <laughs> um, we were in a group together, a business coaching group together, probably two years before the pandemic, and totally hit it off. And we've stayed in touch here and there. But Megan's one of those people that where whenever you are in touch, even if it hasn't been for quite a while, you just pick up where you left off and... It's like no time has passed, which is my favorite kind of person. And so, this was a really, really fun conversation because Megan and I got to reconnect with each other as professionals and as moms and business owners. And we also got to reconnect in a way in this conversation that we just knew would be so beneficial to all of my audience, to all you listeners, because it's really hard to focus in motherhood, right? (laughs) There's so many things taking your time and attention. It can be really, really hard to prioritize and figure out what comes first and what's most important in any given moment. So we're going to dig into all of that. So listen in to hear Megan share how building a business as a new mom led her to see the danger of chronic hustle culture for women and moms, how hustle culture and norms around productivity and time management are a product of the patriarchy. I love this conversation. We could have done a whole episode just on this. Then we dig into her philosophy of do less better, which I'm such a huge fan of. And from there, we talk about her process of getting into the focus flow when she leads focus sessions how to reframe and reclaim your power and your boundaries around volunteering, which is a fun conversation, especially if you're someone who tends to raise your hand to volunteer for all the things, which I somehow have found myself in that category in the last few years, in spite of being someone who said, like, just say no with volunteering, here I am. And then Megan talks about the science of focus, that focus is a skill that can be learned and the importance of understanding your hormones in order to hone your focus, which if you are a woman of a certain age, oh my goodness, it doesn't get easier to focus as your hormones start shifting. So this is a fun, juicy and super, super informative and supportive conversation. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So get ready to take some notes and join me in welcoming Megan Flat to the Shameless Mom Academy. Megan, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is a delight. I've been looking at this date on my calendar for weeks and and have been so excited for this conversation. Same.
0: And we just spent like 25 minutes, just, or 20 minutes, just catching up with each other and- we had to stop ourselves in order to start recording. We're just going to warn people. Like there might be like big tangents in here. There might be, we have a lot of things to cover. We know each other because we were in a business coaching group together a few years ago. So we've both been in the entrepreneurial space, helping women, helping moms, but we haven't had the chance to catch up in a minute. And we both just sent our kids all back to school. We're talking about how kids who want to get into college apparently have to start clubs and then like register them. And Megan just informed me of all these things about college. And now I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, no, you were supposed to talk me down from that. You were (laughs) supposed to be like, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. It'll work out the way it's supposed to. So,
0: And instead I was like, oh crap, I have to pick Vinny up from like his what, fifth day of the fifth grade and be like, Vinny. Have you founded a club yet? Did you? Are, you the, you, yeah. Are you the president? Yeah. Are you the president of, of a registered club?
1: Right. Yes. It's crazy.
0: Oh my goodness. This is okay, so- reason
1: 473 to like not be on the internet after yes. like 9 PM because I only come up with things to stress about.
0: Oh, totally. Totally. And I'm always like, I'm just going to do a little relaxing before I go to bed. That's like the relaxing scrolling, never relaxing. No. I'm just, I'm always screenshotting things that I'm like, oh, yeah. I should definitely worry about this tomorrow. Like, take a quick screenshot. <laughs> See, so that when understand- I I, out, about this I can immediately so I can worry back. about it. Yeah, I can remember, don't forget to worry about this thing you saw last night.
1: <laughs> I do appreciate that. It's not just me. So I will say <laughs> totally I me
0: too. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we had the opportunity to work together when we were in this business coaching group together, which was so much fun. You have had a long and adventurous entrepreneurial path as have I and some of our work is intersected or like been similar at times. And there's definitely some overlap in what we do and also in who we serve. So can you talk a a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio right now, kind of what you're doing with business, who you serve, and anything you're just particularly excited about in this moment?
1: Sure. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I feel like we could go in so many different directions, like we were just talking about with my kids and getting kids back to school and all those things. But I have been a business consultant for just over 10 years now. And I love working. And I really started because when I started my business, my younger child was about four months old. So I have two kids, I have a boy and a girl, they're 15 and 12 now almost 13. And so when I started my business, my younger daughter was infant. And I was in a different business program, not the program where we met, but I was in a different business program. And I remember, they would give these assignments. And then I would see someone post like, Oh, I spent 8 hours yesterday working on the assignment and I've done all of this amazing, you know, I've completely redone my website and all of the stuff and here I was with an infant and a toddler and <laughs> you know, I was working a you know, quote-unquote day job and you know, I was doing that part-time, I was home with my kids the rest of the time and so I was, you know, trying to build my business in these little pockets, these little naps, you know, 45-minute naps and in between breastfeeding and laundry and all of the other things and you know, I was getting really discouraged and I thought, thought, like, I can't be the only one, I can't be the only one that's going through this. And so within this program, I kind of reached out and was like, Hey, is anyone else doing this with like young children at home, let's collaborate. And that was kind of the kickoff for me of where I started my business coaching of really wanting to help moms who wanted to be actively present in the day to day lives of their kids, but also have a career and have something that was fulfilling To them financially, mentally, emotionally, that they were able to give back to their community. And so, you know, so that was really where kind of everything started. And then a few years ago, you know, we all, like you said, twists and turns of business. So I'd been running business coaching programs for a long time. A few years ago, I shifted a little bit. I wanted to use slightly less gendered language. I wanted to be a little more inclusive and kind of open up my coaching a little bit wider. And, but one thing that I had noticed, I was still working with busy people whether they were busy with kids, whether they were busy with, you know, volunteering in their community, we got to kind of 2020, and everything changed. And then there was lots of people doing lots of different things. And one of the things that I just really noticed was, as an entrepreneur, you're expected to wear a lot of hats. As a parent, (laughs) you are expected to wear a lot of hats. As an active community member, you're expected to wear a lot of hats. And it's really easy to get distracted and it's easy to get, and not even distracted like you're doing something wrong. Cause like, we think of distracted, like, oh, you're distracted as almost being like a reprimand. But just I saw it happening for my clients. I saw it happening for myself, where we were pulled in so many different directions. And we wanted to make a bigger impact. We wanted to make a a bigger impact for our kids, for our clients, for our community, whatever it was, but we were just doing a million things. And so that was really when I realized that what I had been doing in my business coaching for 10 years, that I really wanted to kind of bring that idea to the forefront of how important focus is and really rejecting this idea of like hustle culture that I saw, mm-hmm. especially in entrepreneurship. But really, you know, in any <laughs> patriarchal capitalistic society, there's just a lot of emphasis placed on hustle more, hustle harder, work harder, do more, produce more. And it was burning us all out, you know? And I don't know, I, I went in about 12 different directions right there just because I can think of so many things to talk about around that. But
0: I mean, I totally agree with everything that you just said. I also think that as like, an addendum to one of the things you shared that then by virtue of being a parent, especially if you're a primary caregiver and the default parent that The overwhelm and the distractibility, it's like a function of the job. But I think sometimes we think that it means we're not doing the job well. And so when we feel like we're running from one thing to the next and we never complete one thing before having to get before we have to leap into something else or we are distracted by something else, I think it's easy to feel like how do other people just cleanly work their way down a to-do list in sequential order, because it has not felt like that for me a day in motherhood or an entrepreneurship, by the way. Right. And it seems like so that it can lead to this feeling of like always doing it wrong. And then it can also lead to feelings around like, well, it's just not possible to focus. It's just not possible right. because the things that are distracting me, like my child being hungry, like that's not going away <laughs> or like my child needing a dirty diaper or to be dropped off at school or whatever that, is, you know, right. like those things aren't going away. And so, right. so yeah. So I would love to know kind of where did you, how did that then guide you into working specifically on focus? And if you could even dig into the like self-limiting beliefs that I just shared in there, I think that would be helpful too.
1: I think that that is so interesting. And this is exactly what I talk about when I kind of talk about the difference between like hustle culture and then this idea that I talk about as far as like focus culture. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the very nature of what you just described is I think what traditional and believe me, I can get on my soapbox and maybe I will. But you know, what traditional productivity and time management advice is very patriarchal driven. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can I'll tell a quick story in a second, but I'll try to keep my train of thought on one thing here. And so, so much of what we know as kind of the gold standard for productivity and time management is if you're not getting enough done, you're the problem. Yeah. You know, like if you're not getting enough done, here are all the tips and tricks and calendars and apps and all of the things because you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And what I started kind of questioning was what if we kind of change the way we're thinking about this? Because like you said, the dirty diapers, they're not changing. No app, no productivity tip, nothing is changing the fact that there's dirty diapers. So we need to change our approach to it. Yeah, And so it really, honestly, for me, it started because I was waking up in the middle of the night and having these kind of anxiety attacks around all of the things that I needed to do. And I would tell myself, I would say, if I just had more time, right? And how many times have you said that to yourself? Uh How many times have listeners said, like, I just need a little more time if I just had more time?
0: You had 15 more minutes. Like I can knock out 15 tasks in 15 minutes. So we're actually extremely efficient with our time. And yet it's
1: still not enough. And so when it's not enough and when everything is telling you, well, it's because you're not productive, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're Mm -hmm. this, you're not good at phone. You're not like all the things that you're wrong about. And I just started for my, literally for my own mental health. This wasn't even a, a business decision at first. This was literally three in the morning, laying in bed, put my hand on my chest and tell myself you have exactly the time you need. And it literally started there. It started with me needing to be able to fall back asleep at three in the morning and say, instead of like, I just need more time. And I just, I got to get this done. I got to get this. You have exactly the time you need. And so I really started thinking about what are all these messages that we're getting from, you know, I'm kind of using air quotes here. Like we're getting from like that hustle culture mentality. What are all these messages? Like, like my calendar calendar, you know, I'm ruled by my calendar or, you know, my calendar is out of control or, and where could we change it? You know, like the no pain, no gain. When I was, we're going to talk about my book focus, but when I was doing research, I just wanted to pull some quotes to include in the book about entrepreneurship. And even the quotes that the first quotes that popped up were like, you know, embrace the hustle, sleep is for the week, right? Like Mm -hmm. everything we're being fed is just like, do more, you know, be, work harder, all of these things. And I just wanted like what What if I could take these and kind of flip them? And what if I could say, instead of I need more time, I have exactly the time I need? What if instead of do more, it's actually do less, but do it better? Mm -hmm. What if it's, you know, how do I get more done? What if we, it's like, how do we simplify what, or how do we make a bigger impact? Not just how do we get more done? And then my favorite one is instead of how do we be more productive, really asking, how do we be more focused? Because I really think that focus, if we prioritize focus, productivity will follow. Productivity is Mm. the byproduct of focus.
0: Yeah. I swear it's like, understood explains and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I love everything that you just said. I think that all makes so much sense. I've done the same thing with time. And one of the things that I realized, and I'm curious if you've experienced this and, and I would love to know how it relates to what you share in the book, but I started noticing. So when I went through like grade school, high school, college, if a paper was assigned at the beginning of the month and the teacher was like, this is due on the 30th of the month, I would like mm-hmm. go home that night and write the outline. And then the next day I would start the paper. And I was like always trying to be way ahead of schedule. So my, my assignments were always done early, ready to turn in, or then I had like extra time to edit like big nerd stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> so going into entrepreneurship or even, which for me, it was entrepreneurship, but for whether it's entrepreneurship or you're going into a corporate, you know, traditional job setting or whatever, when you are someone who's used to doing things early or the second that they're asked of you, then doing things at the last minute feels very, very stressful. And what I've noticed in motherhood and entrepreneurship, but especially as the two have overlap, is that I'm really good at doing things last minute. I do really Mm -hmm. good work when I do things last minute. And for a long time, I would get really stressed out noticing that like, okay, I have things due on this certain day and I don't have time to do it till the day before, or like, I'm just feeling like that idea, there's not enough time, there's not enough time. And I've had to switch the mindset to, oh, that block of time that you have, three hours before the thing is due, that's the exact amount of time that you need. And I do really great work. under. So now my thinking has changed so much. Now, instead of being like, I never have enough time. I'm kind of like, oh no, I operate really well. Like I only need this much time. But it's taken me finding that proof and really early, you know, kind of early on recognizing like, oh, look, you did that last minute and it worked out great for you. Now, this isn't me promoting procrastination, but it's just me noting. Well, I think what you're
1: promoting, I think what you're promoting isn't necessarily last minute, but it's about being realistic with the time you have and what will fit into that container. Because you get to a point where you're like, I only have three hours. So, you know, the presentation that you're putting together can't have the fireworks and the 13, it's going to have audio and video and a workbook and a tap dancing monkey. You know, you can't do all of that in three hours that you were maybe thinking about a month ago. A month ago, you were like, great, bring on the tap dancing monkey you know when you get to the 3 hour window you get a lot more realistic with what needs to be done and i think that like it's not the waiting until last minute it's that you've defined a container and you've mm-hmm. defined what realistically fits in that container i have this mm-hmm. analogy that i love and and i talk about it in the book but it's basically if you wanted to make a big batch of soup right? And if you like went to the farmer's market or you went out to your garden and you gathered all these amazing herbs and all these fresh vegetables and you made this, you get out your huge, you know, six quart stock pot and you put it on the stove and you make this huge batch of soup. And in this analogy, you know, our ingredients and our soup are all the tasks that we have to do. It's our to-do list, right? And then you make this amazing because you're really skilled and you're really talented and you make this amazing pot of soup, but then you get out like a one quart mason jar and you try to pour that soup, Mm. that six quarts of soup into a one quart mason jar, soup goes all over the counter. And then you say to yourself, I'm not a very good cook, right? Like, no, it had nothing to do. Oh, that's such a great analogy. (laughs) Right? It has nothing to do with your, it's, you know, and we do the same thing. It's like, oh, I had this to-do list that had 47 things on it and I didn't get it done in the hour that I had. I'm not very productive. Mm -hmm. No, it has nothing to do with productivity. You just like chose the wrong container. You know, you chose the wrong container. And so you could flip that analogy around too. And you could say, I only have a one quart storage container. I want to make some soup. But I only have a one quart storage container. So I'm only going to make, I'm only going to put the ingredients into the stock pot that will make one quart of soup. And so I think, and that's what you're doing when you say that you wait until the last minute, what you're doing is you're saying, I now have this three hour storage container. I'm only going to put the ingredients that will fit into a three hour storage container. And that's why you're able to complete the task in three hours is because you've chosen the right amount of soup ingredients for the container you have.
0: Yes, that makes so much sense. And I think that it's when we can flip those, our relationship with time or shift our relationship or expand or adapt our relationship with time, I think it gives us so much power And we get to redefine productivity for ourselves, we get to redefine what hustle might look like. So you might be like, yeah, I'm going to hustle for the next three hours, but I'm not hustling for the whole week. Like I'm hustling for three hours. (laughs) Exactly. And and that's very, very different than this idea of hustle culture brought on by the patriarchy, which is so extremely costly to our own physical and mental health to our idea of how we see ourselves, our own self concept, our self esteem, our self worth and and all those components.
1: Yeah, you and I both have backgrounds in fitness. And I always so I'd use a lot of fitness analogies in, or like health and wellness analogies in productivity and time management space, too. And like one of the things when you're talking about hustling, like when if we think about like hustle up, right? Like run faster, like right, hustling is equivalent to sprinting. Like y- our muscle fibers are not designed to sprint for the distance of a marathon. Right. right. And so when you need to, and again, you know, I'm kind of trying to remove hustle even from my vocabulary, because I think it does have such a patriarchal kind of beat yourself up, you know, kind of connotation, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to work hard or that we don't have to sometimes really put our head down and get things done. And But that's a sprint. That's a run as fast as you can from here to here and then stop running. That's what the same thing when we're talking about like, Ooh, I've got a big presentation. I've got a big project I'm working on. I've got a big thing, you know, for my kid's school, like whatever it is, it's like, great, you can sprint. And then you have to let those muscles rest. Mm -hmm. Or you can run at a sustainable pace for longer. Like that's how our muscle fibers work, but we don't give our brains and kind of, you know, we don't give ourselves that same grace around. Like we just like, we'll just sprint all the time. Right. And that's, and if someone sprints all the time, they get injured. That's what burnout is. Right.
0: Right. I gave myself a three hour window recently to prep for a train, an online training that I was leading it's a group of people that I've led multiple trainings with the topic that something I was familiar with. It wasn't something that I needed to do like a lot of memorization around or anything like that. And I, in that three hours was like, Oh, I'm going to just put some slides together really quick and really quick and making slides often don't go together but I'm like, I've done this before in Canva. I have some templates that work well for me. Like I'll just do it. So I do the whole thing. I get my slides in my slides are done. Like literally like three minutes before I have to get on zoom. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Like I still have to like go upstairs and like, look, trying to brush my hair and maybe put on lip gloss. So I get all that done. I get on there and we, the meeting time was the time for me to be on screen was 15 minutes before the start of the event. So I get on 15 minutes in advance and my slides are absolutely not working in the format that I created them in. And I usually back them up to a secondary format because this happens all the time where it's like some software will use a keynote and some software uses Canva and some uses PowerPoint. So usually I'll have them in two places and I didn't get that done. Yeah. So then I get on and there's a new woman is leading this whole project. So for six of these calls, I've had like the same people showing up and like, Hey, welcome back. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, I know these folks, it's fine. They're like, we have a new VP of blah, blah, blah. Who's going to be leading. And I'm like, Oh my
1: God. God." I have no slides.
0: So, So I say to this new VP, I'm like, okay, well, let me just double check my slides. And I'm like, Already kind of think noticing like I don't think they're going to work because I'm kind of just playing with some stuff in the background. So I just play with it for a minute. Clearly the slides are not going to work. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I kind of play it off with this woman. I say, you know, I can give or take the slides. This I'm used to presenting with or without them, and we can do. A, we'll have a great training without them. No big deal. In my mind though, I'm like, crap. Like that picture went really well with that quote and blah 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 blah. Like all the things that go on slides. So as we start doing the training, I notice that as I'm working without slides and literally like copying and pasting notes from my notes into the chat so that people can see yeah. like, our bullet points, with, like exponentially more participation in the chat. And interesting, I was like, this is amazing. We had like the best engagement that we've had in all the trainings. And I was so glad that I didn't have slides. And then I thought, You know, I used to be someone who would work on slides for like days and days, if not weeks before something to make sure that like they were pretty and cute and had like the right font and the right picture and like added like extra little things. And then I got to this point of like, whatever I can get done in three hours. And then yesterday I was like, maybe I'll never make slides again. (laughs) Like, So it's funny how like you start paring things down and you're like, well, what's the most value out of that I can make in this time? And maybe some of that other stuff doesn't matter at all. Because
1: I think that's the other thing too, I think, and we could use this, you see that I love analogies. I have like an analogy for everything, (laughs) but like we could use this analogy in a lot of different ways. It's kind of like when you're out on a hike and if you're on kind of a challenging hike, you just have to put, you just literally are looking at your feet to make sure you're not going to trip over a rock. And you're just looking down and you're just like one foot in front of the other. Like I know how to walk. (laughs) This is how I've always walked. Let me just do this one foot in front of the other. And that's kind of like, you know, okay, I just got to create my slides. I've just got to create, you know, just, I've always done it this way. This is how I have to do it. Right. And And then I think it says
0: like, if you're good at this, if you do this kind of work, you should have slides.
1: (laughs) This is how you should do this thing, whatever it is. Right. right? Right. And I think at some point, whether we're talking about a slide presentation or whether we're talking about just like our life or like the direction of our business or whatever it is. It's like at some point on the hike, when you kind of pick your head up and if you've ever done that and you kind of have this moment of like, wait, where am I? Like, where am I still on the right path? Am I still on the right trail? And it like, it just is a reminder that every once in a while we need to pick our heads up and like, say like, okay, what is the value that these slides are bringing? Or what is the, I like to say, what is the impact that I want to make? You know, what is the impact that I want to make on myself, on my family, on my kids, on my bottom line, on this community, on my clients, you know, like, what is the impact that I want to make in this situation? And what is, instead of like, what are all the ways that I should be doing it? Like, what is the way that I can like make this impact. And like maybe, and I have a couple presentations that I have to do coming up. I'm like, Ooh, less slides. Right. (laughs) But
0: like no slides at all, no slides at all.
1: (laughs) But yeah, like, so thinking like, wow, okay. The impact that I want to make in this situation is that I want to have a really engaged conversation with these people. And so maybe that means that I need to, you know, do it without slides or do more face-to-face or ask more questions or whatever it is. And I think if we can step back and use that, like, what is the impact I want to make as a filter Then again, I've been saying this phrase, do less better for, you know, Mm. 15 years now. And it's not just about doing less. Cause I think that's the other, like, that's the other tip that we're getting. Like you're too busy, like do less, like cut things out, you know, eliminate, which is all great. But I think for people like us and like your listeners that are like motivated and driven and successful, and they're trying to make an impact, you know, just do less doesn't really sit well with us. But I think if you can come at it from a point of like, how can I actually make a bigger impact because yeah. I'm doing less.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I totally agree with you that we do things because it's what's been modeled to us. It's what's typically done in a certain situation. It's what the people it's What we've done before. Yes. Yeah. Or it's what the people were trying to impress. It's like the way that they do it. And I think it's not only can it be really freeing for us to do things in a different way and thereby do less better, but it also other people have permission to do the same. And that piece, I think, is so important. And I think especially for women leaders, for us Mm -hmm. to show up and be like, yes, I'm not doing that thing. (laughs) Like, Sure, everyone else does it that way. I don't do it that way. And then a whole bunch of other women in the room are like, oh, thank God we don't have to do it that way anymore. It's like the woman who wears like the power suit and like Converse on stage, like, oh, my gosh, she gave us permission to not wear heels anymore. Like, God bless her, you know?
1: Right. Absolutely. And I think that is such an important thing to remember. And so one of the things that we do, so one of the things that I do in my business is we run this program called Focus Sessions. And we have 16, 90 minute virtual co-working sessions a week where people show up on Zoom. We lead you through basically a science-backed, we call it the focus flow. We lead you through about an eight-minute warm-up to help you get into an ideal state of focus. And then you spend the next, you know, 83 minutes focusing on whatever your important work is. So whether you're writing your memoir, whether you're putting together a sales, you know, a sales deck for a presentation that you have to do, like whatever it is that you're working on, you bring your most important work. And a lot of times I get that pushback, right? I get that pushback that like, oh, I can't block out I can't block out focus time because, you know, my team is always asking me questions on Slack or I can't block out focus time because my clients are always emailing me, you know, always need a lot of support or things like that. And I always push back exactly what you said by like we're also modeling how to focus and how to, you know, like how to kind of show up in the world to our clients, to our team, to our... So if you are a leader of a team and you say in Slack, you know, and and I have clients that do this, it's like, well, I want to be super available to my team. I don't want them to waste time. If they need me to answer a question before they can move forward, then, you know, it's I want to be there for them. And I have clients that just spend all day just like just waiting on Slack for their team to (laughs) ask them a question, right? Right. But if you can go, and this is the same for your kids. This is the same for your, the school board that you're on. This is the... all of these things. If you can say, hey, team, hey, committee, whatever it is, I'm not going to be available for the next 90 minutes. Scientifically, you know, 20 minutes to about two hours is what our brains are able to focus. So if you say, hey, I'm not going to be available for the next 90 minutes, I'll be back at 1030 to answer any questions you have. And because I am going to spend the next 90 minutes focusing on this big project that's going to make an impact in our business or in our community or in our schools. I'm going to be taking the next 90 minutes to focus. You are modeling for them. They can also take 90 minutes to focus on their most important thing. And this is where there's like a miss. This is where I was saying like the ideal length of time to focus is about 20 minutes to two hours. Cause I think that's the other pushback is that people feel like, Oh, I've got to block out my, I've got a big project to work on. This is kind of what you were saying with like, you know, the amount of time like, oh, I have a big project to work on. I need the whole day. I have to block out the whole day to work on this project. And then you're like, well, that's not realistic because my team needs me. My kids need me. My clients need me. So I guess I can't work on the project. Right. Yeah. Oh, this
0: is like every right. big project that I mean, this yeah. is why I've never written a book. Like I mean, the things that you just you're like, yeah. well, next, maybe next week I'll have I'll have more time next hours week. to write a book.
1: Right. You're not going to, you're not going to, but you can break it down. And if you can do it in 90 minute chunks, your team will be fine for 90 minutes. Your client doesn't need you to reply back to them in the next 90 minutes. And again, we're modeling, I read in a book once, if you want to receive less emails, you have to send less emails, right? (laughs) So if you want more time to focus, you gotta, if you want more time to focus, you've got to like not be so responsive to other people so that they can have time to focus. You know, it's yeah. all kind of this like self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Absolutely. So I think this applies to business and I'm going to share something that I do in just a minute. And then, but I also think it applies to parenting, this idea that not everyone gets automatic access to you all the time. And that might sound like a really weird thing to say as a parent, like, cause I'm sure there's people who are like, oh my gosh, like, how dare you not give your children access to you at all times. But I don't give my child access to me. All the time. So right. in the morning when I get up before Vinny and I'm sitting down on the couch and drinking my coffee and I try to dig into a little bit of work. Or sometimes I'm just reading people.com and catching up on celebrity yeah. gossip, whatever it is, when he comes downstairs, and I'm in the middle of that, he's not allowed to talk to me. He can sit next <laughs> to me. Sometimes we even share a blanket, which annoys me to no end. But <laughs> we are right there next to each other. And he knows that like, this is time where I'm working. And sometimes it's in air quotes while I'm reading celebrity gossip. Right. But this is like, This is work time. So he's reading a book or doing something that is silent. And then I go upstairs and I do a workout for like 20 minutes in our guest bedroom with the door closed. And he also knows like, he doesn't get to come in and talk to me. If he comes in to ask me something about like getting dressed for school or whatever, I will not respond. I'm Like, yeah, you have, first of all, you have another parent in the house. But second of all, like I'm doing my workout and I'll talk to you when I'm done. So I think like modeling inaccessibility, and I understand that sounds very harsh as a parenting tactic, but I don't think it's a bad thing. And I also think that then other people see like, this is the norm. I love that my child knows, like I go do a workout and he doesn't get to barge in anytime because I'm well, hoping that he'll do the same thing when he gets older.
1: I was just going to say that same thing because you are setting him up. Like what we are supposed to be doing as parents is teaching our children to be successful adults. Yeah. Right? Like Mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to be teaching our children is how do they be successful functioning adults? And the analogy you gave about the woman on stage wearing a business suit and converse gives us permission to not wear heels. If that same person was like, oh, I really want to wear my converse on stage. I get really uncomfortable. My feet hurt when I'm wearing heels. I know that I'll be able to focus on my presentation and do a better job if I wear comfortable shoes. But gosh, everyone's going to be expecting me to wear heels. She puts the heels on. She walks out on stage. Everyone in that audience is now like, okay, I got to wear heels, even Mm -hmm. subconsciously, right? We're like, I got to wear heels. And then I think about this a lot. I think about this a lot. My mom was a stay at home mom. She was a great, mom, but she was exactly that kind of mom. We had unlimited access to her. She had nothing. She had, you know, everything was about us, was about my Mm -hmm. sister and I. And again, while that's great when you are seven, when you are five, when you are 12, I don't think she modeled how to be an adult. And now, so I've had to unpack that and like, learn, like, it's okay for me to have time away from my children. It's okay for me to say no to my children. It's okay for me to take that time. And so I think about that a lot when we're parenting. It's like anything. And we know this and and I'm not a parenting expert by any means. But I'm looking out my window right here and my 15-year-old and my husband were hanging outdoor lights over the weekend. And I was watching my 15-year-old try to like, you know, whatever he was doing. He was like trying to wrestle with this like wire. And I kept thinking to myself like, "Oh, he should create a mechanical lever and he should twist it up." And I was like, "You know what? Let him struggle. Let yeah let him figure oh my it out let him you know? struggle
0: like any parent like watching your child struggle on any <sighs> level
1: First of all, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It's like, just do it this way. But also it's like, this wasn't a struggle where he was in any pain, but also there's those situations where it's Mm. like your heart, like my daughter last night was in tears because she was feeling like she was already five days into school or whatever we are. She was like behind in some reading and she was Mm. like in tears. And like, I wanted to physically read the book to her, right? Right. She's in seventh grade. Like, you know, like, and I was like, I will read this book for you. No, it's like, "Mm, I got to teach her how to manage her time better. I got to teach her how to, you know, block out this time, but I can't read the book for her right and you know and so we're modeling those things for our kids and for our team members and for our fellow committee members if you're on a volunteer committee and everyone wants to meet at you know on Tuesday at two o'clock and you say I'm sorry I'm not available at that time that's when I prioritize my workout class I you know I'd be happy to meet on Fridays like you're modeling for those other committee members how Mm -hmm. to prioritize their time you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it,
0: I'm so glad you brought up the volunteer thing because first of all, I'm sure a lot of our listeners volunteer their time for different things. I know a lot of our (laughs) listeners volunteer their time for certain things. I, for the last two years um, was the co-chair of the parent association of any school. And one of the things I noticed, so there's like setting boundaries around work and how you're going to reply to things like that. And I feel like I'm a little bit better at that because I've just had more time and practice, but then I went into this volunteer role. And the people who are judging me now are my parent peers. And the pressure from parent peers is different than professional pressure to me, it's actually a lot harder for me. Like I feel much more like shaky and like a little bit like on my baby Bambi legs. Like I I might fall over and I don't want them to see me fall over more so than like in my entrepreneurial space where I feel like much more comfortable and like I get to set the rules. So in this volunteer space, I started early on in especially in this role as co-chair made myself just really, really available for things and replied to texts really quickly, replied to emails really quickly. And then over time, I found that It was so not sustainable. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't text back within 30 seconds. Like every single time there's a text. And also, by the way, like these are not critical things, but I was very much like, oh, you texted me at 1015 at night. Like I'm going to lay in bed and text back and forth with you for an hour because we have to you know, address this really critical thing that's not happening for four months. (laughs) and like, um, Yeah. So there was a lot of that. And I saw in that, and I see in that volunteer culture where people so badly want to do well, it's like this almost a competition for like, who can be the better, faster, like more giving volunteer. And I want people, I want to just invite moms in that space to check themselves when it comes to boundaries and check themselves when it Mm -hmm. comes to what you're modeling there. Because I learned by the end of that two years, when I wrapped this up last spring, I learned like what I did well, what I would do different, what I never want to do again. And then as volunteer opportunities have started to arise this year, I'm so much more clear on, here's how I'm willing to give time. Here's how I will communicate. Here's what this is going to look like. And it's on a very different, like in a way where I'm like very clear how I will not allow overwhelm or panic or doing more at 10 o'clock at night to be part For the of the- the sake of doing more. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean,
1: I think what we're talking about, and I think boundaries and relationship <laughs> relationship communication, like this crosses, yeah. you know, whether it's volunteer, yeah. whether it's business, you know, and one of the things I always tell my clients, especially my entrepreneurial clients that have a lot of flexibility in their work is one of the first things I want them to do is set work hours. And mm. I don't care what your work hours are. You want to work at six in the morning, you want to work at, th- you know, 3 p.m., whatever your work hours are. And I don't care if they change every day, like, but, but deciding when you're working and when you're not. And I think that's even more important for volunteers for volunteer positions. And I think of it like a lawyer with pro bono hours. I think about my volunteer, like I think out of like a school year, I come up with like a set number of like volunteer hours Mm -hmm. and depending on, you know, when my kids were in elementary school, I used to chair this movie night. And so like all of my volunteer hours went to like a three week time period. And then that was it. And mm-hmm. when they asked me to do something else, when they, it's like, no, I've used up my 50 hours or whatever i would allocated. Right, right. Like, thanks so much. Thanks for thinking of me. I can't do that. And then as my kids have gotten older and volunteer opportunities change, you know, like my volunteer time is now like driving to like sporting events and stuff. And so it might be like three hours every week for 10 weeks. And that's mm-hmm. how I get to the, you know, right. the 30 hours or whatever it is, but like having a number, it's it's almost like the number becomes the rule. I'm not deciding, I'm not like having to decide it's objective. Can I volunteer it's yeah, it's just more like, oops, my budget is gone. Like there's no more marbles in the jar. Right. You know? The other thing really quick about volunteering that I found that was really helpful for me as someone who is pretty efficient and kind of state like wants to stay on task and also someone who's an introvert. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I realized was that a lot of what was happening in the volunteer opportunities that I was getting involved in was there was also a need and a fantastic need for kind of a social piece. Like part of the reason to volunteer in your parent community is to get to know the other parents and to kind of socialize with the other parents.
0: That's and, the best but part my, right, for me right. as an extrovert. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: So what I had to do was I had to kind of separate those things in my mind because mm-hmm. the thought of having a 90 minute meeting seemed wildly inefficient to me, you know, or a three hour meeting seemed just like, why do we need to meet for three hours? Let's email an agenda and let's talk for 20 minutes and we're ready to go. But once I was, and I even have, sometimes it's out of your control and sometimes it's not, but like, I've even like kind of said, proposed that in volunteer situations, like let's separate, I want to do the social piece. Let's separate it. Let's have a 20 minute Mm -hmm. meeting let's bang through these agenda items and then let's go have coffee. Let's finish having coffee or let's go for a hike or like whatever the thing is, like let's do the social piece, but let's not drag out a meeting to be three hours long so that we can all keep hanging out with each other because that mm-hmm. happens is three hours is a lot of time deciding, oh, we should add more. We should add a this. We should do yes. this also. We should, yeah. right now, all of a sudden the event has 47 more things to it because you were hanging out for three hours. Right, That's just something I've kind of realized about volunteering. And then now all of a sudden that three hour meeting turned into 30 more hours of work that have to be done.
0: And you come home with this. Yes. That's like the worst where you come home and you're like, Oh my God, my to-do list where like, I thought I was going to delegate it all at this meeting. And now I've come home with more than I walked out the door with. I want to talk a little bit about the science around focus. We've talked about some of the struggles around focus. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share on struggles before we go into science, but I would love to know, like what's the science around focus that can help us continue with this reframe?
1: Oh my gosh, I think there's so much. And I think the biggest thing is that I want people to know that focus is a skill that can be learned. I think a lot of times people say like, oh, I'm not. And we've done research in the ADHD community. We've done, you know, our brains work differently, but we can, as individuals, we can learn a way for ourselves that helps us focus. And so I think that's the first thing, because I think people have a tendency to kind of right off like, oh, I'm just not able to focus. And so I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing, and this is a a soapbox that I get on, but I think the thing that is really important is to remember that, let me share this real quick. When my book first came out, the way the Amazon algorithm works is you you get on the Amazon bestseller list based on just how many sales you had that day. (laughs) And so when my book, First came out and I had a big rush of sales, I got to 30th on the time management and productivity de- section. Okay. Out of those 30 books, 27 of them were written by men. And so oh, I think it's it. 27 oh, so of mad. them. Were, 27 of them were written by men. And so I think it's really important, it's really, really important to remember that people with higher levels of testosterone in their system, their hormones cycle on a 24-hour basis. People who have more estrogen in their system cycle on a 28 day cycle, which means that both of these groups have different times within their hormonal cycle where they're better able to focus and less able to focus. But if 27 out of 30 books are written by people with more testosterone in their system, our traditional time management, productivity focus advice is going to be built for people that cycle in a 24 hour cycle. And so if you are sitting there thinking, why do I hate the world right now? And you know, or why do I feel super focused and super able to tackle this big project this week, but next week, I just want to do kind of mundane routine tasks, know that that is because your body is cycling that way. And so instead Mm -hmm. of like, what's wrong with me, let's look at the different phases of our cycle. And even once you hit menopause, even once you stop menstruating, your body still follows a similar pattern. But let's use that to our advantage. If we are in the week, you know, the week leading up to ovulation, that's the time to tackle a big project. That's the time to really put in focus work. When you're ovulating, that's when you're a great time to network and do collaborations. When you start to come down the other side towards your period, that's when you want to do more organizational, routine, admin tasks. That's when your brain isn't going to be able to focus quite as much. So I think when we're like, why can't I focus right now? Because this book I read said I should be able to focus right now. It's like every
0: day at 10 o'clock, I should be able to
1: every day at 10 (laughs) o'clock, you should be able to focus like it's not the case. So I think that's the other thing that's really important. And I think the more we can work with our bodies, and if you have an infinite home, your focus is going to look a lot different than if you have aging parents that need to be cared for, you know, like, so honoring it's, it's back to what you said about just like being realistic with where you are, the season of life you're in the type of person you are, and then work with that be your most focused self.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. So tell people the book focused, reclaim your time, dish overwhelm and do less better. Who is the book for And who listening right now should go out and get it?
1: Well, I mean, I think everyone should go out and get it. It's a really easy, like I definitely, I'm a coach for entrepreneurs. So it's geared towards entrepreneurship. But I was just telling you before we started, um, you know, my dad read it and he was like, oh, I got some good tips out of it. You know, my best friend read it and she said it's completely changed her life. So it really has some really practical advice because really all of us are running, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee, whether you're managing a family, we're all kind of doing the same thing. We're all managing projects, right? You know, we're all managing some sort of projects. And the book is designed, obviously, I couldn't write a book on focus and expect you to like, have the time to sit down and read (laughs) cover to cover. So the book is really designed to dive in, dive out, look at the table of contents, pick something out, get into it. There's a ton of worksheets and exercises throughout the book. So it's really designed to like flip it open, read something, put that into action, take what resonates for you and, you know, move on.
0: I love it. Okay. Tell people where they can find you, connect with you specifically, anything more you want to say about engaging in your focus sessions? Cause that sounds really yeah. intriguing to me. Yeah, um,
1: definitely. Yeah. Come try out a focus session, focus-sessions.com. That'll get you everywhere, but come and try out a session. We do, you get a week free. So come try it out for a week. It's and then is it like huge- a
0: membership model after that?
1: The membership model after okay. that, yeah, really reasonable. We want it to be reasonably priced so that you can do it on top of the other things you're doing. So come join, try out a week for free, then you know stick around. The book you can find at focussessions.com slash focused. E D book. And then you can find us on all the socials at either Focus Session or Megan Flat. So find me either way. Yeah. And the book is on Amazon. You can get it on our website, but you can also just, you know, search it on Amazon too.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh. This was so great. So I want everyone to go check out focus sessions at focus sessions.com. And then I will link everything that you just shared in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Megan Flat, you'll find everything linked right there. The book, the website, Instagram, etc. Megan, this is amazing. Before I let you go, you have to tell us how how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? I've been thinking about
1: this since you said this was <laughs> going to be the question. You know, I think that, like I said, my kids are a little bit older now, they're 12 and 15. I have a lot of anxiety. We were joking about the starting the clubs and things. And I think that, you know, how I'm showing up as a shameless mom is everything that we just talked about. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to model for my kids what I wish for them, like whether that's going after their dreams, whether that's being able to work out, whether that's, you know, being able to start it, whatever it is for them. I want to model that for them. And I want to model healthy ways for them to make mistakes I want to acknowledge that I make mistakes and make it okay to make mistakes. I model for them that I go to therapy. I know I want to model for them to work hard. I want to model for them to rest. So I really shifted that mentality that I want to model for my kids how to be a successful adult. I have to really work on that.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for being here. When you write the next book, you have to come back again. And I'll be here. We'll dig all into it. Oh my gosh, this was so fun, Megan. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're putting out into the world. I learned a lot in this session, so I know my listeners did too. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here, and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued.